Explore Milwaukee's past and its future, one building at a time. This is Urban Spelunking with On Milwaukee's Bobby Tanzillo and me, Nate Immig, from 88.9. Hey, Bobby, checking in from home. Good to hear your voice. How's it going? Good, good. You too. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. We're, we're still at home this week, but we are talking about a mansion again on Urban Spelunking. And the last few mansions that we've talked about have been these like Lake Park mansions. And uh, those are beautiful. That's a, certainly a section where there's a lot of beautiful homes of Milwaukee. But there's another neighborhood uh, where there are also some incredible homes, often of the same vintage, right? Or kind of the same age in the Concordia neighborhood. Yeah, and actually the Concordia neighborhood sort of predates that a little bit. Originally, yes. you know, all of the mm-hmm. mansions were kind of on um, on Grand Avenue, sort of in what is now Wisconsin Avenue. Um, and then people started to move out west, <laughs> which would have been Concordia. Um, so people with money started to build their mansions along Highland Avenue, State Street, Kilbourne, you know, Wisconsin Avenue out that way. Um, so some of these really beautiful houses actually predate those. These were, these were sort of the proto-mansions before it. People went north and east. Got it. So this one is uh, pretty close, like 26th, 27th, and State Street. This is um, also got a name that you might recognize attached to it, Donjus. I, I usually only know Donjus from his Bay Road, but it's the brother <laughs> of the brother of that Donjus, right, um, that lived in this Queen Anne mansion? Yep, yep. The Donjus brothers were uh, opened a famous hat and glove shop, which we'll talk about later, uh, downtown. But then Charles uh, built this house for his family in 1894 and his brother jack was the one who developed bought a bunch of property up along the lakefront developed it into subdivisions that then became parts of uh Mequon and bayside and, and that sort of thing so his brother is the one whose name is immortalized in donja's bay road and and all of that got it the brother got all the shine huh he did well unfortunately charles did not live long enough to get much shine yes and that's and that's whose house we're at today in fact um this is on 2619 west state street it's for sale now actually and you happen to know the owner of this who is selling so you got a chance to go inside and take a look around uh this represents uh, this particular style this queen anne architecture here in Milwaukee. Yeah, it's got a beautiful turret with a big point at the top and a really nice arched window on the second floor. Very uh, decorative, ornate. Um, It's a wood frame building. Really beautiful, right across from the old State Theater, which is soon to reemerge, hopefully, as the new State Theater. And they're actually building a related park across the street uh, for that, too. So, yeah, I got to go inside and see just like the original floors and it's a really nice house. So what makes this style? I mean, we, we talked about, you mentioned the turret and the rounded windows. Um, I actually know somebody, one of my cousins lives in a Queen Anne style, a historic home. Um, not in was not in Milwaukee, but uh, a ways out. Um, what, I guess like what characterizes this style of architecture? Well, they're very, very decorative, um, ornate houses that when people think of Victorian houses, um, this is often what they're thinking of. You know, they often have uh, very steep roofs. Um, they have those big porches that wrap around. Uh-huh. Sometimes uh, yeah. they have mm-hmm. the they have the the towers with the you know like the turrets and stuff on the side. Um, so that's that's the kind of stuff you expect to see on a Queen Anne house, which was very popular at the time. And also, there was Qu- Queen uh-huh. Anne school buildings were built at the time as well, too. Like Maryland Avenue School is a Queen Anne building, so it was it was common in all sorts of architecture. And you recognize on the exterior lots of like uh, wooden details yes. and really intricate uh, repeated patterns and 
you know, little, just little wood accents around, around the windows that, that give it that like highly decorative look. Yep. Yep. And often painted in different, like each detail painted in different colors and things, you know, very, um, very sort of what we've come to think of as that Victorian mansion look. Yeah. And I think, you know, when you hear 26, 27th and state street, maybe your first, your first instinct is maybe not to think about all the beautiful mansions that are there. I, I had a friend that actually bought one of these and went through a rehab process and uh, it was one of the most stunning homes I've ever been in. You know what I mean? She had her work cut out for her because these homes um, are old, yeah. you know, and they and they maybe haven't this. In fact, this one had been used in a lot of different ways that hadn't been a primary residence, right? Right. And this had for a while been a health center, and then before that, it was offices, and before that, it was a rooming house, and a lot of the homes in that area went through a similar kind of trajectory. Some of them were used as um, had been converted into uh, fraternity houses from Marquette, you know, the, so they were often chopped up. Um, and then sometimes they just kind of fell into disrepair over the years. And so a lot of these, and a lot of them are wood frame. So you see lots of beautiful houses over there, like the Gettleman mansion, the Manderley bed breakfast, um, just all these, uh, the tower house on state street, that fairies rude with the tall, tall cream city brick tower. Um, so lots of beautiful houses, but they often do need a, a lot of work. And I think this one did need quite a bit of work too. And luckily the owner, uh, who actually lives in um, another Concordia mansion a few blocks away that he fixed up, bought this one, fixed it up, and uses it as his office. Um, and so luckily it was taken care of by this guy and fixed up by this guy, so it's in good shape now. Well, coming up in the second part of Urban Spelunking, we're going to talk more about what's inside this mansion, of course, but also more about that family, the Donjas family and their hat and glove business that was so big in Milwaukee for so long. That's coming up next on Urban Spelunking. It's the most charitable time of year, and we have a way for you to give a gift to Radio Milwaukee and yourself. Donate your unwanted car, truck, motorcycle, or boat, and let us take it off your hands. Your gift will support the music and stories you enjoy every day, and it may even qualify you for a tax deduction. Visit RadioMilwaukee.org slash cars to schedule your free donation pickup today. And we are back at the Donjas Mansion. This um, this is Charles Donjas, who maybe not quite as well known as, as his brother, but as you mentioned in the first half, he um, lived here for only a short time because he sadly died pretty early, uh, just short of his 30th birthday, right? Yeah, he did. He um, he died of appendicitis. Which, like, nobody dies of anymore, right? I mean, you yeah, think right. about these. Yeah, and he, you know, it was the same year he built the house, so I don't think he, I mean, he never really got to enjoy this house. His family lived there for a few years ah, longer, but, but so without him. Yeah. Yeah, it stayed in the Donjas family, right? Uh, for a little while, um, not for a, a super long time. It, it wasn't. Um, it wasn't one of those things where you, where the family was there until recently or anything like that. It went through a lot of. It did go through a lot of hands over the years. A lot of changes. In fact, there was a time when it wasn't even a residence, right? We mentioned in the first half that it was a, a health clinic for a while, yeah, and, and a rooming house before that. So the current owner restored it to the single the single family unit and you know you talk about like the floors for example <laughs> you know I, I i know the excitement about a floor maybe doesn't quite come through uh in in a podcast but if people see the pictures they'll be excited <laughs> but yeah so it's got it does have beautiful hardwood floors in the in one of the parlors there's like just uh, great scroll work uh like wood details and um it's 
got these beautiful inside. Some of the corners are actually not corners at all, but rounded, which is kind of a really nice touch. Um, you can actually go up inside the turret. The current owner created a little like little sitting room up in the turret, which is pretty nice. Yeah, it's like the the ultimate man cave up there. It, it huh? really is. And he installed a bar, an original, like a, a vintage bar in one of the rooms on the second floor. So it really is kind of a, a great man cave, <laughs> but also a house, a functional house with <laughs> bathrooms and a kitchen. And you, know, you could live there. I should say, too, that he uh, spent a lot of work restoring the original hardware. And whenever he uh, came across pieces in the house that were not being used, he saved them. So he has his own little armory of <laughs> of. Uh, architectural elements and details from the house that he's working to put back in place wherever possible. Yeah, and there's some pictures of the of the hardware in the story too. So if you if you geek out about floors, you're probably going to geek out about the hardware too. We've got pictures of that. <laughs> but tell me about the the Donjas family. So this this family owned a, a hat and glove store on North Third Street for a long time, and they had this slogan, which I don't quite get. So their tagline for decades, right, was "Gloves to burn and some that don't yeah. burn." I don't get that at all. <laughs> Yeah, and I'm not sure who actually coined that, although um, it definitely goes back to the original location, which was up uh, where the Mater's parking lot is now, is where the original okay. location was. Uh, and then they moved south to the corner of State and 3rd Street when this building got torn down. But that was on, that sign was on the original building, so I'm guessing it was it was uh, Jack, if not Jack and Charles, who, who came up with that. Um, but, you know, the gloves to burn, I think, means they had a lot. You know, like, oh, if you say somebody's got, oh, he's got money to burn, that means he's got a ton of money. So I guess that's what that okay, means. Okay, they loads got loads of gloves. Of gloves. And, some that, and then some that don't burn, I guess, means that they're fireproof. <laughs> so they had a fireproof selection, perhaps? Okay. And, I guess, maybe that, maybe that had a little bit more ring to it, you know, decades ago. I'll tell you, though, people remember this. You know, and even, like, the store closed in the just after uh, – just uh, 2001, I think the store closed, you know, for decades. I mean, I, at that point I lived here almost 30 years and I knew the slogan cause I saw it painted on the building on state street uh, for years. And I think, and when I posted this story on social media, everybody, the first thing everybody said was gloves to burn and some that's really, burn. wow. Well, Hey, I mean, unless so people yeah, remember it. Effective yeah. advertising sticks with you. There's actually a picture in the story of the storefront of this building uh, when it was this glove and hat store and looking at the yeah, that's the original. Yeah, building. looking at the original hat shop, um, the sh- the display windows, it is like overflowing with hats. It's just I mean, you look at it, it's like tons, they had, they had hats to tons burn. Tons of also. hats. So yeah, I suppose gloves to burn and some that don't. Same for hats. They had a big inventory. There's like a disturbing kind of hand figure that hang that hung <laughs> over the main entrance. Yes. It looked like a giant kind of mannequin hand or. Severed hand, if you will. Yeah, it's just kind of lopped off at the wrist. Right? <laughs> okay, so they had this hat business. I suppose this was a big business in Milwaukee in the 1800s, right? 1890s. Well, yeah, and it, it you know, and it was on Third Street, which was a very popular shopping district, and um, they were very active in like the business association on Third Street. And in fact, one of Jack's daughters ended up marrying um, one of uh, Fred Usinger's. Sons. Oh, okay. The Donjuses and the U Singers. And actually, that's interesting because then when Jack goes up to um, the, what becomes Donjus Bay, he needs investors, and a bunch of his investors are fellow Third Street businessmen. Oh, like. okay. This all makes a lot more sense. So, Third Street is kind of where the, the magic happened the business and romance and 
Everything. Yeah. Okay. All interconnected. Yeah. So Charles and Jacob, who was Jack, uh, were born in Milwaukee, um, and their parents were German immigrants. And what's interesting is that their dad had worked as a cab, got here in 1842, was a cab maker for almost 20 years and then he was the apparently the first janitor at city hall oh wow and when he died in 1871 jack took that job when he was young i mean at that point he was only 11 or 12 or something (laughs) and he was like supporting his family um which included his mother and he had six brothers and sisters like by being a city hall janitor as like a tween wow yeah different time for sure huh Different time, yeah. So then in 1884, he and uh, Charles got together and used the money that Jack had saved doing this job uh, to buy the hat shop on Third and Highland, which is where the Mater's parking lot is now. Um, that's the one you can see in the picture. Um, and they, the shop had been opened by a German woman, and they bought it from her and then put their name on it. And it endured from that point, from 18... 18- uh, 84 until 2001. That's pretty impressive. Yeah, you're telling me. Wow. Yeah. And then unfortunately, Charles died of appendicitis just before he turned 30, leaving this beautiful house, um, which we're talking about today. So the house is, um, you know, kind of what got us into this story. But but yet again, here we are talking about this family that has a lot of, you know, Milwaukee connection to it. And a lot, you know, still remember today, still a name I instantly recognized when you shared this with me. And um, it, it, here we are again, you know, inside a, inside this house. That yeah, and I, and I love that's what I love about these stories. We say this all the time, and that's what I love about these stories. It starts off as like just sort of an innocent little story about a pretty house, <laughs> and suddenly we're talking about how you know this business and how it you know intermarried with the Usinger's business and how it led to the development of what became part of Mequon and Bayside and Fox Point, and it's just amazing how all of the stuff is intertwined, isn't it? All right, we'll definitely go check out the photos. We've got lots of those inside photos, Bobby, including um, an impressive bearskin rug, uh, looks like, that was a uh, bear mount is in there as well. Yes. Yeah, he has. Plus, you know. <laughs> he has some unusual stuff in there. Is there. Plus, you know, a spiral staircase and some other beautiful stuff. <laughs> yeah, yes. And he has a he has a good, pretty good whiskey collection there that he inherited from his dad. So uh, I have the feeling there's some really great stuff there for people who care about that. And uh, interesting callback to last week. It looks like there's a telescope in the turret. Oh, Maybe right. not quite as grand as the one we visited. Yeah, not pro- probably not as groundbreaking, right? <laughs> <laughs> probably not. Well, definitely check out the photos from inside. Great pictures, as always. You can find the link to Bobby's complete story in the info box on the platform you're listening on right now. We always put those links in there. And definitely go check out Bobby's story. Spend some time on, on Milwaukee and take an even deeper dive with uh, this and with all of our Urban Spelunking podcasts. Podcasts here produced by Kenny Perez. We get support from your membership as always. And please do, uh, while you're clicking links, uh, click that subscribe button and keep us in your podcast feed. We'll keep you posted on Milwaukee's architecture, past and present, right here on Urban Spelunking. All right, Bobby, talk to you next week. All right. Thanks, Nate. Be well.